Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Afterzone podcast. And this is part two of a series that we've been doing on our five favorite, <laughs> our favorite characters in the Bible. And of course, this would not be a podcast if we didn't have amazing people coming in and chatting with me. So, of course, over in my left-hand corner, we have the one and only Michael Godfrey. Hey, Michael. Oh. You're... Hey. <laughs> Who seems to have frozen due to poor internet. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> technical difficulties. Uh. And, of course, down to my bottom left, we have the one and only Jesse Marks. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. <clears throat> How's the weather up in Queensland these days, Jesse? Uh, the weather is still pretty warm, even though it's getting it's getting colder, but it's still still pretty warm. So, yeah, it's all right. <clears throat> pretty good. And, and Michael laughs at the thought of Queensland being cold. Ha! He says all the way down in Canberra. <laughs> oh, did you guys get that or not? <laughs> We, we do yeah. get that actually. It was really good. It bundled all into like a five second or like a two second. Like yeah, I know. It was, it was really interesting yeah, the way they did it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, that is that is very cold here. And even with the jumper on, I'm like, uh, maybe we should put a second one on. Mm. Layers <laughs> and, are the way to go. And representing um, the, the, <laughs> the estate of Upper Clarenza is Mitchell Sutter. <laughs> It's actually a suburb. <laughs> anyway, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have someone from uh, an area that is so distinguished and refined, really. You bring a, <laughs> a, a sense of class to this whole podcast that was severely you, lacking. You elevate us all, Mitchell. It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so I'm glad I could make it today uh, for your sakes. <laughs> we we are indeed blessed by your presence now last podcast episode which of course if you haven't listened to our last episode go and check it out it'll be in the link it'll be in the description below you can click on that link and find out what our number five to number two favorite bible characters were but today we're dedicating solely our number one favorite bible characters and so before we get into that Let's do a quick recap of our number fives through to four. And you might be thinking, hey, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of listening to the last podcast? Well, you're going to want to know, hey, why did we think this was our favorite character? What personal lessons do we learn from this character and apply to our lives? Like, why does it resonate with us in particular? And where can you go read about these characters? So we're going to give you a quick list just so you can get a bit of an understanding of our tastes and what we like about certain characters. But really you're going to benefit so much more from listening to the full podcast. So, Mitchell, can you take us through your number five through to number two? And do. So, uh, my number five was Peter. And uh, my little statement about this character was that I think I, I would like to be like John, but I think I am like Peter. Uh, and just a little quote I used last time was, I mean, a good, a good defining quote for Peter was, let me do that for you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. um, my fourth person was Solomon uh, just because he's a good example of running after all the things you want uh, and looking back and with, with new wisdom at the end of his life um, Jonah is another one 
I think for me, he like he really shows you how God sometimes uses us not for other people but for ourselves because we need to grow. Hmm. And then number two was the man that was born blind is found in John chapter nine uh, because I think I, I'm really impressed by the the his strength. Uh, and it wasn't even his strength. He was just he was just willing to present the truth and stick to it. And he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be dishonest about what he knew to be true. He wasn't gonna overextend. He wasn't gonna say stuff that was exaggerated or anything. But he was not going to withdraw from what he knew to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And it doesn't say anything about him. It just says that you know that's the God he serves. So yeah, cool. Nice. Seconds. Cool. My number five was Gideon, just because I like that kind of story of a shy little guy who becomes a mighty warrior. Number four is David. He's got so much heart. You know, I just read through the Psalms and um, listened to his story in First and Second Samuel. Just so good. And Moses, this guy who like just cops it constantly from the Israelites, but he keeps on serving them as his faithful leader. He's just awesome. And uh, number two was Elijah, the depressed prophet who asked God to take his life and yet God takes him into heaven before he ever tastes death. So this is my number five through to two. Mr. Jesse. Yes. Um, number five, Elijah. Um, I went with Elijah, similar to Chris. Number two, but uh, yeah, number... Oh, wait, sorry. What what was Elijah for you? Uh, yeah, he was my number two. Oh, he was your number two. Okay, I was right. Never mind. Um, yeah, I same reasons pretty much as Chris. I, my, his boldness, his courage... And yeah, just really, really, really great guy. Uh, great guy. Number four, I had John. Um, yeah, I John's probably my favorite disciple. He's not the disciple like similar to you, Mitchell. I probably identify with, more with Peter, but um, John is definitely someone I admire. I love his his books, and um, he's closest to Jesus. Always respect that. Number three, I had Samuel. I think I said last time Samuel is just a character I really like because he seems to be like a fresh breath of air. Um, after you get past the judges, he's just an awesome character. And I didn't share this last time, but one cool fact that I like about Samuel is he was a judge, a prophet, and a priest, which I think is pretty cool and pretty unique um, among Bible characters, yeah. And number two, I had Moses, who I admire for his humility, his patience, and just incredible leadership. Um, a great character, yeah. <clears throat> Very nice list. And Michael, finish up for us. Awesome. Sure. Uh, number five, I had David. I like David because I, I feel that he was a very relatable character. And I talked about that a bit more in the podcast, so you can go there for that one. Number four, Zacchaeus. Um, put great effort into seeing Jesus as a really cool transformation story. You can see how he got from you know this tax collector who was only concerned about himself to um, meeting Jesus and then becoming completely transformed and changed. And um, and you see the changes and you see his, his selfless attitude afterwards, being able, you know, being willing to, um, you know, after being shown forgiveness to, to go back and make things right as well and give back four times as much as, as what he took. Um, number three was Peter. So similar to, similar to Mitchell, um, uh, similar reasoning to Mitchell. Um, yeah, he didn't let anything get in the way of him following God. He wasn't perfect. Um, but that's another reason why he is relatable. Um, and, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I think he has a, 
pretty cool character arc. <laughs> can you say that about real people in real life? Well, yeah, you can say that. I think you can say that. And number two, of course, was the Apostle Paul. Um, all or nothing approach, you know, never lukewarm, zealous in persecution and in proclamation. Um, just a very humble person and a very passionate person. Um, and definitely after his conversion, passionate about Jesus, which is what we all want to be like, you know, not hot or cold, but on fire for God. So that rounds out the number two. Awesome. Okay. So you've got a bit of an understanding of who our number fives through to um, number two is. So that's obviously going to influence who our number ones are. So does anyone want to jump in and go first to share their number one? Anyone, anyone? And the finger goes to Mitchell. Mitchell. By finger, I mean I'm pointing at you, not anything else. <laughs> any any guesses as to who my number one is? Should we guess each other's number one? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's yeah. That's very, very hard. Sure. Mm. Hmm. <sighs> Chris, Chris, out of all of you guys, Chris is more likely to know. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel Chris. bad now, Chris. Oh. <laughs> Can, no, can we play? There's no, there's no real reason you should know. It's just you're the most likely to know, but that doesn't mean you're very likely to know. Okay, okay, I like that. Thank you for that good rephrase. <laughs> can you? Okay, give us, give us like two hints. How about that? Give us two hints that won't give it away. So maybe like what testament they're in, and I don't know whatever other clue. Old Testament, and they are a king. They're a king. That's a man. I'm ha- I'm really happy with those hints. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. Hints. Um, did you say Solomon? You didn't say Solomon. I've already said Solomon. He's number Solomon. Oh, you did say Three. Solomon, yeah. No, four. He's number four. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Is he, is he a, a good king or a bad king turned good king? Uh, that is the question. Uh, I like that second option. Uh, I'll let Jesse yeah. go for it then. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to remember that name of the king that I'm thinking of. It slipped my tongue. So if any of you guys want to jump in. Um, that would be appreciated. <laughs> okay, I've got two guesses idea. for good kings. Oh, you yeah. go, Michael. You go. Oh, wait, wait, no, sorry. My answer was, as Jesse said, he was a bad king turned good. Yeah. Okay, I've got two yeah. in my head. Okay. Sure. Well, my guess would be King Nebuchadnezzar, which is really, really random. But oh, uh, in terms of something completely out there, bad king do, turned good. You do like King Nebuchadnezzar. I remember you took a Sabbath school uh, lesson. Oh yeah. <laughs> is that it? Yes. Ah, that was good, Michael. Yeah. I see now why I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, let's so let's open up to Daniel chapter four. Sure. Jump right in there. This is a really really cool story. I think. I I don't know I, I don't know what I like about these like short sections of the Bible that cover like a really niche character, but. It's just cool, like, um, it opens a little window into something that you... Because you hear a lot about... You, obviously, you hear a lot in the Bible about, like, you know, the kings of Israel and Judah. Um, you hear a lot in the Bible about disciples. You hear a lot in the Bible about prophets and stuff. But then there's some little niche characters that you hear about. And you're like, man, that's, that's such a different person. It's so good to see a, a different perspective of faith. Mm. And I think Nebuchadnezzar is one of those examples, like... Um, yeah, 
Would someone, would one of you three like to, uh, I'm going to nominate Jesse. Would you mind giving everyone like a really short summary of who, who King Nebuchadnezzar was? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, um, basically he was a king, as we've already established, of this kingdom called, this you know, little kingdom called Babylon. Um, not little at all. Uh, it, um, yeah, Babylon, which at the time was conquering the world. It was the biggest... <laughs> So uh, biggest, yeah, most powerful kingdom at the time. And yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of said kingdom. And yeah, um, how he's related with the story of the Bible and Israel is one of the, the nations that he took over was Israel. And from that nation, he took a bunch of captives, which in, including Daniel, which is the name of the book that we find him in. And yeah, over the course of his life, he has many interactions with Daniel Daniel rises up the ranks uh, to be one of the, I think, basically ends up being the prime minister of Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar has a relationship with Daniel. And over the course of time, Nebuchadnezzar turns from this heathen king into actually a Jewish convert, which is pretty crazy at the end of the book, which I'm sure you're going to get to Mitchell. And this is, yeah, this is that yeah. story. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Um, so that's what, let's just start reading. It's really, really awesome. Just like, just this book. I think my favorite parts of this book are the first three verses and then the last, like, I don't know, verses 34 to 37, the last four verses. They're my favorite parts of this book and I'll, I'll explain why. So would someone, Michael, would you read uh, verses chapter four? Verses, oh, this is Daniel chapter four for anyone reading. Uh, verses one to three. Sure. Um, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar the king, so it's him writing, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Just want, I just want to pause it there, actually. Sorry, I'll cut you off. Um, if we were to open up to the New Testament, I like you find a lot of letters from like Paul like, that start off in a very similar way. And obviously, this is just a letter, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's just a letter. But it reads so similarly. Like mm, cool. that, that blows my mind to think that to think that um, it's kind of like the same ad in the New Testament was put in the king in in the Old Testament here, mm. like this heathen king who had mm. a lot of stuff that was a bit weird. Initially. Um, keep reading. Uh, verse two. I thought it good to declare the signs that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominions from generation to generation. Um, I Nebuchadnezzar, um, is that it? Yep, Dr. sorry, Dr. thank you. No, that's good. Um, yeah, basically, like, I just think it's really cool. The introduction just sounds just like a one of the New Testament books, one of the letters. Yeah. So we're getting off into the story. As Jesse was saying before, We've got to remember when we read this that this is like the king of the world at the time. And you can imagine what that does to your your sense of self and your pride and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Like you'd be you'd be pretty fucked up. and it was certainly that. And I think the the challenge is at the time, it was almost like he was expected to be. That's just what you would do. If you were the king of a nation like that, you have to be. Like that's just of course you were going to be puffed up. That was your character. If you weren't proud, then you were, you were pretty weak. 
Um, mm. I remember the other week we were talking about Moses being um, the meekest man in the earth, and we we say, "Oh, what a boaster!" But it, that was that was an insult. Like that was a real mm. 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 low thing to be. Um, um, uh, so, would someone read Chris? Would you read four to five? That's four to five. Yeah. So I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and mm-hmm. flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Uh, cool. Thank you. So this is where the story sort of kicks off. Um, this is the start of his testimony. His testimony, right? And this is the beginning of his testimony. Mm-hmm. Asleep in his bed, and he's ha- he has a dream. Um, and just to summarize the dream, actually, we won't summarize the dream yet. He has this dream, and it's really troubling to him. And he wakes up the next day, and he's really troubled, completely wiped out of his memory, but he knows that it was really disturbing what happened in the dream, right? Um, and he knows that he really met what it was. And so basically, what things happen, you can read it for yourself, but he gets in contact with Daniel. Um, and Daniel says that God can tell Daniel the dream that he had, and he can tell it to the king. And so Daniel does, and I'll just summarize it for you. The dream basically goes like this. So it goes, Nebuchadnezzar in his dream is looking, and there's this huge tree, right? Massive big tree, and the tree is providing, I don't know, it's just providing shelter. It's, it's the centerpiece of nature. It's providing shelter. It's providing food. It's like obviously a home, it's a shelter, it's a home, same kind of thing for all these different animals. Like um, imagine animals, birds, whatever other kind of living thing there is, just all come to this tree as their as their kingdom kind of thing. Um, and so he's looking at this tree, and as he's watching this watcher, that's what it comes down from uh, heaven, and it comes and chops down the tree. Uh, and sorry, I've got notes just to have a quick summary. Uh, and the, the tree is reduced to nothing but a stump. That's, and it stays like that for seven years. And then it ends with, I've written it ends with this, sorry about this. My note taker was a little bit poorly descriptive. <laughs> It's, I've written it ends with this line, colon, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this awesome line. <laughs> probably, you know where the line is probably at? It's probably in the Bible. Let's have a, let's have a quick, oh. quick look. Ooh. <clears throat> Chapter oh, yeah, 4, yeah, we're okay. up to about verse 13, 14. All right, it ends with 17. So we want to read verses 17. Ooh, we're down to 17. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'll read that. So this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the seven. Oh, well, it's, it's kind of, it says, let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the Holy One, so that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. Uh, uh, so, 
That was great. That's fine. But still, the king wasn't as troubled as he was when he woke up. He knows why he was troubled, but he still doesn't know the solution to his, his like, upsets. Hey, um, Mitchell, and so Daniel explains the dream. And so basically, yo. Uh, could you just repeat what you said after you finished reading the verses? My internet cut out and I didn't get it. Can do. Um, so... All right, his, so his verses, and the king, sorry, no, let me start again. He hasn't read the verses, I've read the verses. <laughs> um, so now, now he knows what the dream was, but he's, he's still troubled, right? Because he knows why he was troubled, but he doesn't know the meaning of the dream. So he's still got his troubles with him, right? You can imagine he's pretty upset at the moment, like, what's going on? So... So Daniel goes on and he, he interprets it for him. He explains it in simple words. Um, and his interpretation is, just remember the symbol. So Nebuchadnezzar is the tree, right? He's the king. He's great and powerful. He has this kingdom that supplies all the people of the earth. Mm. And they all come to it's him just... for nourishment and home, shelter and protection and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But he's going to have his power taken from him. Um, and he will lose his sanity or seven years and live in the field and eat grass. Um, and he would be kept in that state until he realizes that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Right? So that's that's that. Um, but the dream doesn't end. This is the really cool bit, or this is one of the really cool things about God. The dream doesn't end at that point because you can imagine like an angry God would just end the dream there and say, well, you'll learn your lesson. But the, the dream says that at the end of the seven years, God will give the kingdom back. Right? Uh, and so would someone, uh, Jesse, do you mind giving a quick little summary of what happens? Sorry to put you on the spot. Of what happens um, after this dream? Like in the next... Sort of twelve months, like just like just I mean, it takes a bit of imagination to be honest of what what he must have been thinking. Yeah. Um, so, just basically, want me to describe what happened to to Nebuchadnezzar? Sure. Well, like um, just yeah. If you um yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, well, it's pretty crazy. It's 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 a fun fun little exercise to try and yeah, like you said, use your imagination and visualize what what this scenario would have looked like because. Yeah, as the Bible describes, his his hair started growing really long. His nails started growing out like nails of an animal, like claws. Basically, he he yeah lost his uh, his sanity. So he uh, he wandered around the wilderness eating grass. I think the Bible says like an ox. So yeah, turned into a beast of a man. It's it's a bit hard to get around what it would have looked like. Yeah. Nothing um nothing pleasing. But yeah, basically he turned into a wild man essentially. Just living outside by himself, eating grass, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and one mm-hmm. one little cool thing is that this dream wasn't like it wasn't his first and only warning. It was like God gave him the dream as a warning, and then twelve whole months went by, right? And he was normal. He had control of his kingdom, he had control of his senses for twelve months. And then this one day at the end of twelve months, Nebuchadnezzar's on the wall of his kingdom. You can imagine on the wall of his palace. You can imagine he's looking over the palace and like gold and armies and like people in the marketplace doing trade 
and and you, you just think to yourself, and like you know, you'd have, you'd have like stables filled with horses, and you'd have the walls of Babylon, you'd have the river that runs through it, um, and like what's going through his head is just like I am how you know, mm. like who can touch me, um, and he actually, and then and then he says this, it says. Is not this great Babylon that I've built for a royal dwelling for my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And it's at that point that it's, it's at that point that a voice comes from heaven and says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and time shall pass over you until you know the most high rules and that's when all the stuff that it, so yeah it's, it's just like that mercy period and it, it wasn't in the punishment like that's not at all what God's after he was after the change in heart and from time the change in heart happened but it, it, sometimes sometimes we change momentarily when we're threatened not threatened when we are afraid of the consequences but sometimes the consequences are actually beneficial to us and they help us change. Um, and then let's read Daniel 4, 34 to 37, and I'll get uh, Michael to read that. That's okay. Sure. Yeah, no worries. Daniel 4, 34 to 37 says, And at the end of time, Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven. Understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honoured him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, and my splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Hmm. I, I remember I said at the start that this and the intro are my favorite sections of this book. It's just hmm. so powerful what happens. Like, it's not all about the show, you know, the, the miracles are sometimes what people look for, but. It's it's about the changing heart. That's that's the power of God, and this is what that's what you see in these last few verses. Um, like how awesome is it that God gives it all back? Mm. Um, you can imagine what would have been happening, man. Like imagine the scheming that that his officials would have been doing. Oh, mad! The people will lose respect. You know, um, the kingdom. Or fall apart, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. The kingdom will mm. fall apart. Someone's got to take the reins. Um, there's so many reasons that they could have taken over. But for seven years, for seven years, their king, the king of the earth, was this mess in the field eating grass. And still, the only reason you can explain it is that God kept it that way. Still, the kingdom was left to him. Um, mm. Just my last little point, the... the, the yeah, the little point I've got is... Um, the story is really powerful to me because 
such a divide. Like you read this story and you think, oh, this is just like reading, you know, Bill from Church's testimony, you know? Like this is just an old guy telling his story. It's you read it and it's so hard to remember that this is actually this man was the most powerful and probably would remain the most powerful man on the earth if you compared his power to any existing power today. Like immensely powerful. I think Babylon was supposed to be one of the largest cities to have ever existed. From archaeology, I, 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 don't, I might be wrong on that. I think that's the case. But um, mm. the fact that you read this story and you think, oh, it's kind of like the New Testament book, you know, written by people that were basically hermits. Not hermits, but like they didn't have much. Um, it's just, yeah, anyway, it's just powerful. It just it, it gives you a real idea of the power of God. So, yeah, that's my story. Cool. Mm. Very first. Cool. But all done. Oh, it was great. So good. Awesome. <clears throat> so that is a very good number one pick for Mr. Mitchell, King Nebuchadnezzar. And the chapter he's highlighted for you listeners at home is Daniel chapter four. So we read the start, the end, and a little bit of the middle, but I'm sure Mitchell would recommend that you read the whole thing yourself. Would that be correct? That would be correct. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I might share what my number one pick is now. Um, you guys have to, we'll do the old hint game again. Um, Mm. it is an old Testament character and it is another character who is depressed, just like most of my other picks. Oh, that's right. It was, that was keeping to come in. Man, um, old Testament character that was depressed. Have you already said Moses? Yeah, I've said Moses. Yeah. Mm. So uh, an, ad- an, addi- another hint. an additional hint. <clears throat> Pardon me. He's a prophet who lives in who lives before the Israel is taken into Babylon. Okay. Right. I think I know who it is. Okay. Oh, Jesse's got a guess. Is is it is it Jeremiah? <laughs> oh yeah, it's Jeremiah. Uh, got it. Nice. It's Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping or the crying prophet. Um, so mm, very interesting. So I'm keeping with that sad, depressed theme. Um, and again, it's just because I love the intense emotions that these characters feel. And I love just being able to read about how intense their faith is and how dedicated they are to God. Now, Hmm. Jeremiah is unique because he's actually called when he's probably in his teen years or in his early twenties. And I want to quickly read the calling that God gives to him. So um, Jesse, would you be able to read for us in Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through to eight. And this is the calling of uh, the prophet Jeremiah as a young boy. It's the first chapter of Jeremiah verses four through to eight. And do the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the room, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, alas, sovereign Lord. I said, 
I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And it's pretty cool how the biggest doubt that Jeremiah has is he goes, well, I can't talk, you know, I'm too young. And God says, do not say that you are too young. Um, And I think particularly for me, you know, going into pastoral ministry next year, um, and I'm only going to be 22, a lot of the time, you know, I have that thought of like, man, what am I doing? Like, I'm 22 and I'm going to pastor a church. Like, that doesn't seem right, you know, like what's going on? Um, But, you know, God has this idea where he says, no, I've set you apart. And like, obviously, I haven't been called to be a prophet, but I can see that God's calling in my life has been a pastor. And so, you know, God says, no, I like, I've always known the plan that I had for you and I've set you apart to do this. And I'm saying you're going to start doing it now. So don't tell me that you're too young to do this. Um, I'm telling you to start now. And the ministry that God gets Jeremiah to do, he says, see, I have this day set over you the nations and the kingdoms to root up and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, but also to build and to plant. And Jeremiah, he lives through the life of the last five kings of uh, Judah. And it actually isn't a long period of time. Josiah dies prematurely in a battle God told him not to go into. His son Jehoahaz reigns for three months. Jehoiakim, he reigns for 11 years. Jehoiakim reigns for another three months. And Zedekiah reigns for 11 years. So really, you're looking at maybe like 40, 50 years. Like, I think it's actually closer to 40 years tops. It's not that long. And God is saying, look, my nation, Judah, your sin and your evil and wickedness has been accumulating for over 400 years now. And it's getting to a point where I'm going to have to step in and put an end to this evilness because it's just getting out of control. And God has given them so many chances. He sends, he sends to Israel and Judah 20, over 26 prophets to warn the people. And Jeremiah is like the final call. He's this guy who is the last possible warning message saying, if we do not repent as a nation, Babylon will come and they will destroy us and they will take us into Babylon. And like, that's a really hard message to say. Um, you know, this idea that, hey, we need to stop it. Otherwise, we're going to be destroyed. And it's so interesting because during the reign of King Josiah, his message is well received. King Josiah he starts big spiritual reforms. He purges the land of idols. He does a massive Passover feast and he really gets the nation back into spirituality with God. And as soon as Josiah dies, all of the next five, the next four Kings are rubbish. They're all into idolatry. They just wreck everything. And basically all these Kings hate Jeremiah because he keeps telling them that they're doing things wrong. Um, And it's so crazy that people hate Jeremiah's message so much. Uh, King Jehoiakim or Jehoiakim, I forget which one. 
or it might have been Zedekiah. My apologies, I don't remember which one. One of the four kings tries to kill Jeremiah. He like full on sends an assassin. And we're told that Jeremiah survives, but that another prophet at the time called Uriah, he gets killed. Um, and Jeremiah watches this like fellow prophet, this fellow friend of his be killed. Um, Jeremiah is from a town called Anathoth. And the people of Anathoth were so sick of copying the flack from other people because of Jeremiah that they try and send an assassin after him. Like, can you imagine if, you know, uh, we all have a connection to Coffs Harbor Church. Can you imagine if, you know, we were out there preaching and the, the Coffs Harbor Church held a board meeting and said, we need to kill Michael Godfrey. Like, that's pretty <laughs> much what this is. You know, we need to shut Mitchell Slunter up. You know, how do we get into the deep web and hire an assassin? Because that's what they do. They, the people from Jeremiah's hometown hire an assassin to try and get him. So Jeremiah is being attacked from all sides. He has the least popular message that probably any prophet has ever had to preach. And it gets to the point where he's put into like the stocks at one point, you know, like those, um, I'm not sure if it was exactly the same. It just says stocks, but the picture that we have, you know, the mental image we have is of like a guy, you know, stuck in a wooden block with his arms or legs out like this in the public square. So I told Jeremiah gets stuck in the stocks. Then he's thrown into a prison. Then he's thrown down into a well. And then he's thrown back into a prison. Like this guy's life is garbage. All it is, is just him getting pummeled. People trying to kill him. People throwing him into prison. Like the guy cannot catch a break. And mm. chapter 20, my goodness, I think you guys are going to have your mind blown by Jeremiah chapter 20. This is what I mean when I talk about the, just the intense emotion that is here. And the heading that I have in Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning in verse 7, is Jeremiah's unpopular ministry. And what I think we'll do, there's um, a few verses each. So why don't we... We'll read from chapter seven through to the end of the chapter. It's not too long. So maybe we'll read about three or four verses each. So uh, Michael, would you like to start? Followed by Jesse, followed by Mitchell, and then I'll- Oh yeah, cool, okay. All right, so Jeremiah chapter 20, starting in verse seven says, O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I hear many, whisper, hey, many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never, will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you, I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor. The 
from the hand of the evildoers. Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed with my, uh, in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father, saying, A male child has been born to you, making him very glad. And let that man, <clears throat> pardon me, and let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and did not relent. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noon, because he did not kill me from the womb, that my mother might have been my grave and her womb always enlarged with me. Why did I come from the womb just to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? So I'm interested. Yeah, you're right. That's very heavy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that passage? Reading over that. That's, that's like a Job level depression. Like yeah. I remember <laughs> Job saying so like, curse the day I was born or I wish I was never born. Mm. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Like, and what's so crazy is he has this part where he praises God and thanks him and he goes, sing to the Lord, praise to the Lord. And then the next line is, Cursed be the day in which I was born. I was like, whoa, Jeremiah, what's going on here? Rollercoaster. And the fact that he says, you know, Mm. let not just curse me and curse the day, but curse the man who told my dad, hey, you have a son. Like, Mm. how crazy is that? And he goes, this line gets me. If only my mother, like, if, if only my mother's womb was my grave. Like, he's basically. Uh, asking like that he would have been a stillborn or a miscarriage. Like he just mm-hmm. goes, because as soon as I've come out of this womb, all I've experienced is suffering. And as he says at the start, everyone mocks me. Everyone's waiting for me to slip up. Even my friends don't want to associate with me, but he says, I can't help talking about it because the word that God has placed on my heart is like a fire shut up in my bones. And <clears throat> like uh, maybe other people have, you know, but for me, I've never reached that point in my life. I've never even come close to that point in life where I go, you know what? I just wish I'd never been born. Um, But somehow like, I I don't know, it still resonates with me. The, the deep intensity that of the emotions that Jeremiah goes through. And the fact that in spite of all of this that he's going through, he says, I still can't help but preach the word of God. And like, you know, I want to have that courage, man. Where does Jeremiah get this courage from? Where does he get this perseverance from? I don't know. It has to be from God because it makes me feel slack when, you know, I am too afraid to to say what I know to be right, you know, because oh, someone might think the wrong idea about me. Someone might not like me. And then I read about Jeremiah and he was like on the streets every day preaching these messages and it like landed him in jail. It landed him basically having no friends and he kept doing it. Like the, the devotion to God that Jeremiah shows to me is it's crazy. And it's like this level that I want to personally be able to achieve. Um, but I know I can't do in my own strength because like a, any normal human being would have given up at this point, you know, um, it has to be through God that someone is able to achieve this degree of devotion. So with that in mind, with um, verse verse nine, it sort of says, "Then then I said, I will make no mention of him and him referring to God." Mm. Is it is it like 
is it the fact that he just knows it's true and he knows it's too good to keep to himself? Is that what's like pushing him? Is that what's driving him? I think so. Like, it sh- and that's what the gospel of Jesus should be to us, right? Like, this news is just so good. We have to share it. We can't help but get it off our chest. Um, and, you know, if something is like burning like a fire in you, it, it implies that it, it, it's almost painful. It's a constant nagging thing. It's not something you can ignore. So it's something that has to be addressed. Why um, hmm. chooses to let it out rather than try and extinguish it. He's going to let out this message for the world to see. Now, hmm. you'd think that with the devotion, the dedication, and the perseverance that Jeremiah shows, that the whole nation of Judah would repent, but they don't. (laughs) In fact, Judah just digs their heels even more into idolatry and sinfulness, and they decide to ignore his ministry. And King Zedekiah, this, this hurts me so bad. At one point, Jeremiah's message is repent and you will be saved. And then about, uh, Halfway during the reign of King Jehoiakim, who's the third last king, yeah, third last king, Jeremiah's message changes to there's no hope anymore. Like, there's no future hope. Babylon will come and it will invade. And he does give prophecies of a future hope of restoration, but as for the here and now, there's no chance. Then when it comes to the final king, King Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, Two, this happens two years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Zedekiah meets Jeremiah secretly, and he says, what does God tell, what does God have to say? And Jeremiah says, if you choose to repent now, God will not destroy Jerusalem. You will all survive. No one has to die. Now, just think mm-hmm. about like the mercy that God has. For the last like, 10, 15 years, Jeremiah's message has been, there is no turning back. And now, just Mm. before Babylon comes, God gives Jeremiah this message to say, Zedekiah, I'm going to give you one last chance. And it's it's a really good deal because no one dies. Like, how merciful is God? Like, it's crazy. 400 years of absolute rubbish God's been dealing with. And it gets to the point where he finally says, that's it, there's no turning back. And even then he says, you know what? I'll give you one more chance to turn back. Like, yeah, th- this, this story blows my mind at the mercy, the mercy of God and the incredible love he, that he has. And that's why it drives me nuts when people get this impression of God, particularly in the Old Testament, as being super quick to anger and super vindictive. I'm like, man, you must not be reading the same Bible as I am because, like, mm. The, the entire Bible is just drenched. It's covered page to page in God's patience and love. And of course, Zedekiah, he rejects that message and Jerusalem is destroyed. Pretty much everyone is taken into captivity. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of Jews left in Jerusalem and it's nothing but rubble. Now you'd hope, you would think that... <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there's more. Actually, before we get to the way there's more, let's quickly go to Lamentations chapter three. Lamentations, uh, that sounds... Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> As if this poor guy hadn't cried enough. He now writes a book called Lamentations. And a lament is just like you pouring out your heart in sorrow. It, you're just so upset. So this book is literally like 
I'm depressed. The, the title literally means like the depression poem, the fifth and joy. Um, but I'm not going to look at the depressing parts because in this lament, it's just a poem. Oh, sorry, guys. I could talk. I could literally talk about Jeremiah for like a solid five hours. I love Jeremiah. <laughs> the poem is actually an acrostic poem that goes through the Jewish alphabet. So each major line starts with A, B, C, D. And so it's like Jeremiah is pouring out his heart from A to Z. Like it's, it's this like complete wholeness, if you get what I mean. It's the beginning and the end. He takes the reader through the complete um, feelings that he's going through. And so he's, he's pouring out his heart saying, you know, this place that I prophesied to for like 40 years didn't listen to my message and it's been destroyed. You know, his home's been destroyed and his people have been taken into a foreign land. But Jeremiah has hope. And this is what I love about Jeremiah. Even though he's depressed and he's the weeping prophet, he's still a prophet who has hope. And I think that's one of the things that helped him persevere, that helped him persevere as well, that God kept giving him visions of hope for the future as well. So, Michael, could I get you to read in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24? Sure. Well, actually, 22 to 24. 22 to 23. 22 to 24. Yeah. 22 to 23. My bad. Sure. It says, Because of the Lord's great mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Like, man, can you get much better Bible verses than that, man? Um, that, that idea of God's mercies in you every morning is a claim, is, is a promise that I try and claim in my prayers each morning. I go, God, I stuffed up yesterday. I'm going to stuff up again. But I know that your mercies are new every morning. So I'm asking that you give me mercy today. And that idea, great is your faithfulness. Um, I've shared this in a sermon once. I was singing that the hymn where we get this line from, great is thy faithfulness. And it just kind of mm. hit me one day. I was like, hang on a tick. Why is God faithful to me? <laughs> like he's the all powerful God of the universe. I'm a speck of dust that's here for like this much amount of time in history. And he decides to be faithful to me. Like, I don't even know. Like, does, does, does that blow anyone else's mind? <laughs> you know, like, mm, mm. God brings himself down to my level and he almost, in a way, well, not in a way, we see literally through Jesus, he becomes subservient to me. He becomes a servant to me and chooses to be faithful to me. Like, mm. uh, that's so undeserved, but God is so loving that he's faithful to us, even when we're not faithful. Um, Jerusalem was not faithful to God, and that's why they were destroyed. But Jeremiah says, even though that happened, I know you're going to restore the covenant again anyway, because your mercies are new every morning, and you're faithful even when we're not. So uh, I love that hope that Jeremiah has, even in spite of the, the sadness that he goes through. Um, mm -hmm. And so let's quickly come back. We're nearly at the end of, we're going to put Jeremiah out of his misery very soon. <laughs> put him out of his poor misery. 
let's go back to the, but wait, there's more moment. So I said there was a tiny, small amount of Jewish people left in the city of Jerusalem. And they have um, Nebuchadnezzar. This is where my boy um, Mitchell's number one comes in. This is good. This is (laughs) the accidental crossover. We didn't plan for this. Most ambitious crossover. Yeah, most ambitious crossover ever. Nebuchadnezzar puts the guy in charge called Gedalia. And he's like a governor. He's not allowed to be a king, but he's a governor. And within like six years, this guy gets assassinated. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so hard to read because everyone keeps telling him, hey, these guys by name are going to assassinate you. And he's like, nah, they're fine. And he invites them over for dinner and they kill him. I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) But then the people panic because they're like, wow, we have no leader. We're in a town that literally is rubble and we're surrounded by enemies. So they go to Jeremiah. They say, Jeremiah, are we allowed to go to Egypt? They say, go ask God, are we allowed to go to Egypt to get out of here? Because we're in a dangerous place here. So Jeremiah says, yep, I'll go talk to God for you. He goes to God and God says, do not let them go to Egypt. He says, what just happened to Jerusalem? Egypt's next. Like they're the next ones on the chopping block. So he literally tells him, he says, Uh... whatever terrible stuff you experienced here in Jerusalem, if you stay here, you won't go through it again. If you go to Egypt, you're just going to face the same destruction again. And when Jeremiah relays this message to the people, guys, just to, just have a guess. How do you think they respond to this message? <laughs> I reckon they went to Egypt. They go to Egypt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what they do, they say, Jeremiah, you're lying to us. Yeah, the facepalm moment. That is, <laughs> it is a huge what on earth facepalm moment. They say, Jeremiah, you lied to us. God didn't say that. We're going. And it would be bad enough if they just went. But they kidnap Jeremiah. Like they forcefully take him against his will and they take him to Egypt. Oh. Why? Why would they take him? Okay. They were just mad at him. They were so mad. Like, we're taking you with Let's us. Take this guy that we're mad at with us to Egypt. Yeah. It was pure just vindication. They were being vengeful. Mm. And Jeremiah dies in Egypt. That's how his life is. He Mm. dies in Egypt, not even in his own home, with like even his last message not being listened to. But Mm. he's the guy who, after going through all that, can still say, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faith. Mm. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Like, who is this guy, man? Like, he's too much for me. I can't, I can't handle the, this guy. He's just incredible. And so for me, like, the book of Jeremiah is so comforting because, you know, when I feel like things aren't going my way or my ministry is tough, I go to Jeremiah and I just go, man, if Jeremiah can still remain faithful and hopeful in God, in what he went through, my life's a breeze. I can do anything, you know. Um, God, if God can empower Jeremiah in the way that he did, why can't he help me, you know, get through my small problems in my life and my, you know, in my ministry? Um, He's this guy who everyone hated he was assassin- almost assassinated multiple times. He had to watch the destruction of his own nation. He was kidnapped and taken and died in a foreign country. 
and yet he was God's humble servant no matter what happened to him. And he had this courage, this perseverance, and this hope that I think few characters in the Bible had. And to me, it's just, yeah, it's just mind-blowing, the the character of Jeremiah. And he's so inspirational, the inspiration that he is um, for me. And I know for hundreds and thousands and millions of people that have read Jeremiah's story throughout history. So Jeremiah undoubtedly has to be my number one. And we talked about how, like, you know, we flex favorite characters are pretty flexible for me jeremiah is pretty locked into number one unless like i really fall in love with another character i think jeremiah is there number one to stay for a a little while so sorry guys i've ranted on a a lot because as i said jeremiah is like my he's my homie (laughs) but um (laughs) problem at all i want to hear from you guys looking at like the the recap of his life that we've looked over what are some like standout things to you or some things that really um yeah like resonated with you as we went quickly through that story of his his perseverance and dedication to god is pretty admirable i mean i don't know how many i don't know if, if i could continue relaying messages after being rejected constantly and just continually and faithfully just you know, doing that over and over again. Like, I mean, it must have got to a point where he's he's just getting a message from God, and he's just thinking to himself, "They're just going to reject this one as well." And yet, yeah. you know, he still faithfully conveys them anyway. I mean, that's yeah, it's pretty admirable. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like just one day of door knocking and being rejected is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. One day, you know. Hmm. Just just uh, respecting the strength. God gave him, like you said, Chris, of having like not just the whole nation reject him, but even his own family, like his own town. I mean, like if it was just Israel, it, it's still terrible, but at least you could still say, you know, I've got my family, I've got my core, my town. But he didn't even have that. He he had nothing really. So I I respect. Yeah, the, he's in a strength for that. That for sure, God gave him. <clears throat> yeah. Um. He almost exhibits like suicidal not not like not that he's going to act on it but like he thinks that way in some yeah. in some parts like we we're talking before about how he wished he'd never been born and you know, he wished someone would take his birth away um but i guess the hope that he shows is like even though he's thinking that way probably for a lot of his life and um almost understandably like he he just says no, i'm going to keep, keep trusting god with this you know not so bad that you know, I don't I don't really live for anything anymore, but I'm trusting that there's something in this. So I'll keep going. Yeah. Awesome guys. Well look uh, listeners at home, the book of Jeremiah is super big. So my recommendation would be if you go right in the middle, you get a lot of the stories and narratives about Jeremiah. And those are where you get to see him in action a lot. So If you look at like the very start and the very end, they're more like prophecies. And if you go right into the middle, you'll get more about the narratives of him interacting with the Kings and stuff. So that'd be my go-to go to those middle chapters and you can read about these cool encounters. Now we thought that it would be fun to do a bit of a lightning round here of going through some Bible characters. Cause obviously we're only giving our top fives. And we want you to know, like, you know, where we stand on all these other Bible characters. So we're going to be doing a lightning round tier list. Now, 
we decided that the the S tier, which is like the ultimate tier, um, has to go to God. So that's the God tier. So <laughs> the S tier is unavailable to you, but everything else, um, I think, goes from A to F, right? Mm. Yep, A to well, F. Yeah, or well, one to six, but it works. Oh, A to F. A to F. Okay, let's go A to F. We need a graphic like those YouTube videos where they can drag little pictures up and put it in there. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we, you know what? I might have to make one of those um, and then uh, put that on our ASP page to advertise this. I think I might do that. We get to listen to its creation. So I'm going to quickly name up some characters. With big, big question marks. You'll never believe who was one. <laughs> <laughs> and then... All these guys are quickly going to give me a grade for where they think this character belongs. And uh, we're just going to smash through them. Okay. You guys ready for the lightning round? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Make okay. it snappy. Let's go. Daniel. A. A. Joseph. A. Esther. Uh, B? B. Yeah, B, but I don't want to be a sexist. <laughs> Michael, it wasn't until you said it, bro. <laughs> we just now, to. I will clarify. You don't have to be objective. This is just like how you feel about the character, where it is your personal standing. So, okay. Joseph, yeah, Joseph was definitely A. Daniel was probably B for me and Esther was B. Okay. Mm. All right, let's keep going. Lot. Oh, C. Oh, uh, C, yeah. Wait, no, D. D. I'm going D. D. Oh, I reckon D is his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Adam. Wait, could his wife be in the S tier? Uh, Adam, Adam's a... I don't know, for me, Adam's a C tier. I don't know, I don't... (laughs) He done goofed up. He doesn't say anything. He just exists. Mm. C? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, Yeah, C, yeah. Samson. A for uh, Samson. A for Adam. <laughs> Samson. Oh, Samson. Uh, I could see. I could see. C, uh, C for Samson. All right. C for Samson. <laughs> um, Jacob. Uh, oh, no, yeah. Jacob's a C. Jacob's C for me. <laughs> no, I uh, probably. B. I go B. In the middle of C and B. Four times of Israel. If I can do that. You know, <laughs> yeah, give, give him a C and. Give him a C plus or a B minus. Cool. Paul. C C plus. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry, oh, Saul. Paul. Paul. Oh, Paul. Oh, Paul. <clears throat> oh, Paul. Um, B for me. He's number two. Yeah, probably A. Probably me. A. a me. Probably A actually. I gonna say B. I gonna say B for Paul. What what keeps him being an A? What keeps him being an A? To be honest, it's probably that we hear That's probably what it is. Um, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, that, that said, he's awesome. He's an awesome character. But, uh, he is for awesome, Mitchell. You're, you're awesome. Right. Does this character get an A? Absalom. Absalom. A for Absalom. Absalom. He gets an A for his hair. <laughs> but F to you for everything else, huh? Uh, he gets a D from me. D? Is that high? Um, generous. <laughs> He's merciful. <laughs> uh, Josiah. He's memorable. Little boy. King. Josiah. 
C. Uh, C for me, probably. C, yeah, C. Uh, Barnabas. Ooh. Barnabas is cool. I don't say he's in Asia. Whoa. <laughs> wow. No, 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 no. no. I, Barnabas I gotta go Barnabas B, 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 for for B for Barnabas. B for Barnabas. B for Barnabas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's it. Next time I'm doing B this, I'm picking any characters that start with A to F. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, this B's is biased. This is your chance to redeem yourself from your M for Michael and misogyny, Ruth. Oh, um, A for Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth is C. Uh, Ruth is C. Wait. I'll put Ruth in B. To be honest. Yeah, B. C. Mm. I'm going to say C. C. We got an A, B, B, B minus. B minus. B minus. All right. And our final character, Doubting Thomas. Oh. oh D, D for Doubting. D for Doubting. <laughs> D for Doubting. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, uh, you want to help out Thomas or it's D for uh, Yeah, I'm going to go B for belief. Oh, yes. oh. <laughs> Got him. <clears throat> well, that concludes our beautiful lightning round tier list. And I've learned a lot. I've learned how I'm going to do this for our next round. <laughs> 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 I've vastly improved what it was this time. <laughs> but there you go, guys. You've got to see a little bit more of the insight that we got into... Um, our other characters and how we feel about them. Now, you might be thinking, hey, um, Jesse and Michael still haven't done their top favorite characters. And yep, wasn't what we had planned, but Mitchell and I had a lot to say about our characters because we really like Nebuchadnezzar and Jeremiah, like a lot. So <laughs> we're going to give Jesse and Michael the same opportunity to talk about their favorite characters as much, see them light up, see the their eyes just shine and glimmer so they talk about their number ones which again we still don't know like this we actually have not like been in cahoots planning this we all legitimately have not known any of our top five so i'm almost excited as you guys are because i still don't know what these number ones are and i'm probably still gonna have to wait another week or two weeks so, <laughs> the suspense it's, it's, it's real <laughs> <laughs> um, so look everyone thanks again for hanging out uh, on another podcast we hope that um, as you've been listening to in particular in this episode the stories of Nebuchadnezzar and Jeremiah uh, you didn't just like just learn about you know why how like the fact that we like these characters but hopefully we really re we were really able to show you um, the the spiritual messages that these characters convey and ultimately in both stories the love, the patience, and the mercy of God. That's really what uh, I think was f first and foremost at the very center of these stories. God reaching out to people, calling out to them, giving them chances to repent, um, and you know, just being with these incredible biblical characters. So do yourself a favor. Go uh, check out the stories of Nebuchadnezzar and Jeremiah. You will not be disappointed. And make sure to come back next week for another episode where we look at some more awesome biblical characters. Well, Jesse, where can these people find you if they want to hear more of your beautiful voice? They, if they, if they like my voice, that is, um, <clears throat> they can find me right here in the After Sermon podcast or <laughs> on my own, <laughs> our own YouTube channel, just simply Jesse Marks. Awesome. Mr. Santa, what are you up to? 
Uh, I'm social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. And uh, if people want to interact with you at a very far distance, can they find you on any interesting websites? They can find me uh, on the website Mighty Warrior Ministries. No, uh, that's an interesting one. Mm. I write articles occasionally. <laughs> I think I've written one article for every year that website's been up. Oh, that's pretty cool. I think that might be correct. Nice. And uh, Michael, so, well, yeah, go, go, go find me there. Yeah, Sorry, go Chris find Addiction and um, Do It Yourself Religion by Mitchell Santa. And be strong and courageous, that middle one. No one remembers the middle child. Oh, <laughs> Not in this case, I did. You're, you're, you're a better man than I am, Mitchell. You remembered that poor middle child. Parent to articles. All middle children thank you around the world. It's <laughs> <laughs> Coming from uh, what I believe is an entire call comprised solely of firstborn children. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, where can these people find you? Uh, you can find me on the After Seven podcast, like Jesse said, on Mighty Warrior as well. Or um, if you'd like to listen to sermons or other, um, I don't know, things that have been recorded, Michael Godfrey on YouTube. The link, is, well, it's linked to the ASB. So just find me through there. Pretty simple. And finally, Chris, what about you? These people can find me here on the After Seven podcast every fortnight month however often we upload as well as mighty warrior ministries but also check out my youtube channel christopher peterson where i've got a new weekly show called crispy christianity where i look at anything and everything hey. we look at bible topics we look at things happening in culture we look at um pretty much anything that interests me at, at that time and we look deeply through the bible and it's just this awesome fun like Bob. well look thank you again uh for joining us everyone we hope that you've been blessed as you've listened to our number one favorite top number one Bible characters. And with that said, we will catch you in the next one and have a good one and good night. Good night.